0: My subject this morning is, are you pleasing God? Most people, they strive to be successful in life, in their careers, and many strive to keep fit. They go through all sorts of exercises to do that. Many strive to be good parents. So why wouldn't I strive to try to please God? It seems like it's only natural that I would try to do that. Many feel the need to be working on their sins to a, to achieve a closer dynamic relationship with God. And here is what I've heard over and over again. People say that when I first believed, it started out great. But Over time, I kept on failing. I would do something stupid, and then I would promise God that I would never do that again. But then I failed again and again and again. Failure. What does it do? It gets us... In our own minds, it gets us further and further away from God. And Satan blinds the eyes of the sinner to the gospel. But he blinds the eyes to the Christian from its resources that we have in Christ Jesus. Last week, I talked about the only real solution to the Christian life, and that is in a total exchange, a total exchange, Exchange of life. Well. That's what we need. We need that total exchange. For the Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ. The Bible says. That you are born again. That you were made new. But most of us don't believe it. We want to believe it. But most of us don't. Most people, they identify themselves based on their behavior. That's their identity. That's why you hear so many people say that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But the Bible says just the opposite. The Bible says you're a saint. But we say that we're a sinner saved by grace. The Bible says that you are God's chosen people. The Bible says that you are His disciple. The Bible says that you have been made complete in Christ. The Bible says that you are God's workmanship. And the Bible also says in Hebrews that you were made perfect forever. But why can't we grasp a hold of that and believe it? Why do we always look at ourselves and think that there's something wrong with us? Well, here's the problem. Satan wants you to believe what you already believe, and that is that your identity is based on your behavior. But that's what the devil wants you to believe. He makes you think that when you fall into sin that your fellowship is in danger. Some folks call that being out of fellowship. Satan makes the sin struggle of any sort a real issue. He does not want you to believe that when we are faithless, that Jesus Christ is faithful. He wants you to believe that you have to initiate Forgiveness through confession so that you will lose sight of the real truth about forgiveness. Well, what is the real truth about forgiveness? You can study that Bible from cover to cover and you'll find that forgiveness comes through the blood and that Jesus Christ shed His blood on the cross 2,000 years ago to take care of the sin issue. What is the sin issue? The Bible says that he died for the sins of the world. The sin issue is over. Satan does not want you to believe that you already have all of Christ all the time and whatever the circumstances is, you have Christ. But Satan wants you to be bewildered. He wants you to take a look at this Christian life and see nothing but confusion. In fact, he is pleased when Christians believe the prosperity gospel, which is televised almost every day, that you have a divine guarantee of health and wealth Here on this earth. Why would Satan want you to believe that? Because once you believe that, that the Christian life is nothing but smooth sailing. Then the circumstances of life, of this world, they hit you and they hit you hard. And you begin to question yourself. And it all leads up to a manner of self-analysis. And you say to yourself, what is wrong with me? Maybe I am not praying enough. Maybe I am not reading the scripture enough. Maybe I'm there's something I'm not doing. Satan wants you to always equate who you are with what you do. He wants you to attempt to get, uh, to to obtain holiness. Give it a try, give it a shot. He's all for it. He wants you to believe that you are made holy through external acts. When you and I became Christians, we may have heard there are some things that you need to be doing now that you're a Christian. Like you need to read your Bible every day. So you can know what God expects from you. And so you can know what God is and and what he wants or you may have heard that you need to pray and have quiet time if you want god's blessing or you may have heard that you need to start to tithe your income if you want god's blessings or you may you may want to get out and witness And you want to witness because you want other people saved. Most of us were left with the impression that if we did everything right, then we would be pleasing to God. If we just went down the list and did everything right, God would then be pleased with us. Now these suggestions are not bad in themselves but it would be better to start by building a trust in a relationship with Christ before we ever get into any of that. We need to understand that we have options to confront the situations and life as a whole. We need to understand the energizing power of the Holy Spirit rather than to grit our teeth and start doing our best and expecting God to help us. When we pray, I call it a help me prayer. Asking the Lord to help with this or that. What are we saying? Subconsciously, we are saying this. Lord, I will do the work but I may need some help in this area or that area. When the Bible tells us that it is not I, but Christ, the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. A person can undergo behavior modification by rigidly disciplining himself. I found that out when I was in the Marine Corps. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was one disciplined person. If you go down to Gold's Gym, you'll see some young men out there building their bodies up by lifting weights, and they have a very strict diet. Yeah, they're disciplined. There's a lot of Christians that are disciplined. They read their Bible every day. They pray every day. They carry their Bible to church. They do everything that you're supposed to do. And yet they're tormented in the inside. They lay their head on the pillow at night. And they think, what's wrong with me, Lord? Why do I think these thoughts? Why do things seem to be so confusing to me? When it comes to religion, discipline can be nothing but self-righteousness at its best. Believers in Christ are tempted to believe that God cares more about their right behavior than their trust and their, in, and their dependence upon God. That is not true, but it seems that it is true in some churches today. In John 11:25, 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me will never die. And he says to her, "Do you believe this?" Well, do we believe it? John 15:5, "I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? You can do nothing." Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lies in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Who called us by his own glory and goodness. I don't know how many times you have read that text. But just think. That the Bible says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life. We've already been given this. Everything that we need for life and godliness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So again, I ask, are you pleasing God? Well, what pleases God anyway? Hebrews 11.6 Without faith it is impossible to to please God. What pleases God? Faith. The word faith is a noun for the word believe or trust. Hebrews is saying pleasing God is a result of trusting Him, pleasing God believes in what He says is true. Like we just mentioned. Everything we need for life and godliness. Do you believe this morning that you have everything that you need for this life and godliness? The Bible says you do. You have been given fullness in Christ. But I don't feel the fullness of Christ. But the Bible says you have the fullness of Christ. God wants us to respond to his will and put our faith in what he has already done. That's what he wants us to do. Our faith responds to what God has accomplished on our behalf. Listen, the Bible says that we love God Because he first loved us. Now think about that. He loved us before we could possibly love him. God initiates and man responds. Now listen very carefully. If your primary goal is to do anything and everything to please God by doing all of these right things that we have talked about, you will end up being the initiator. And you will end up manufacturing all sorts of ways to do this. Now I have to admit that the church hasn't helped us in this regard. It seems to me that this new faith movement that we hear about it says that I can do, or I can cause God to do anything I want Him to do. In reality, it's nothing more than trying to sway God into our line of thinking. If we think that faith can cause God to do something, what are we saying? It's actually, we're actually saying that we are greater than God. We are wiser than God. We are reversing the whole situation. We start initiating. And we expect God to respond. God always initiates. Man responds. How do Christians initiate? Well. Some. Do through these prayer chains, as well intended as they are. I guess we don't believe that the prayer of one person can be effective. And so we get as many people as we can presenting the same request to God, hoping that God is going to look down and say, Well, if they all want it, I'll do it. God always initiates, and we respond. Now, my first experience in initiating, I was in a jungle in a foreign land, and I was thinking one night, what happens if I get killed? Well, I had heard that if you're good, you go to heaven. If you're bad, you go to hell. Well, I knew I was bad. Nobody had to convince me of that. So at that time, I knew I was going to hell, so I thought I'd have a good time getting there as long as I'm going there. But that night, I was thinking, but what is going to be the end? I mean, if you get killed, then what after that? What's the end? I couldn't get that out of my head. And then finally I said, God, I I don't know you and I don't know if it's real. I'm not sure. I'm quite convinced that maybe it's not. But in case it is, if you get me out of this alive, I'll change. And I came out alive and I changed. I drank more, swore more, did everything more than I ever did before. When I became a pastor my first church, I went there and they informed me that in the middle of the week was going to be a 24-hour prayer visual in the church. So everybody signed up. Somebody would come in at 12 o'clock, 1230, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock, all 24 hours. And I was new there, and when they told me, I said, well, if, if, if that's what you're due, I said, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll fill in wherever I can. I said, but let me ask you a question to the leaders of the church. I said, let me ask you, why are you doing this? What are you hoping to accomplish by this? Are you trying to convince God that that He needs to bless these people? Because look at what we're doing. I said, I, I, I don't really understand it. I saw I'll I'll do it with you all, but I just don't understand it. I think every one of us could give examples of how we tried. To get God to answer our prayers by promising Him this, promising Him that, telling Him we'll change, telling Him we'll start doing this. When we respond to God and learn to walk by faith, we will be much more contented than we've ever been in our life. We will be productive. In our relationship with God. Even when we have adversities. How? What pleases God? That is trusting God. All things the Bible says. Work for good. For those who trust God. For those who believe God. So it's not the adversities, it's not the trials and tribulations in this life that we face. We face the question whether we're going to trust God. Whether God knows what's best for us. Faith believes that God knows what's best. And He is faithful even when we are faithless. The attitude of trust toward God results in a peace, the Bible says, that you can't even understand. It's like you're floating on a cloud. Oh, all things work for good for those who love God. I have a, my youngest son was with me yesterday and we were driving around and around the farm there, and I asked him, I said, Dan, I said, how's your new job? He's been two weeks now in a new job. He was a, an accountant for a large church up in northern Virginia. How's your new job? He says, well, he says, it's a lot different. There's a lot more accountability. It's a lot harder. He's got to work long hours and everything. And I said, whoa, do you have any regrets? And he says, not really. He says, I was glad to get away of the negativity there at the church. I thought, wow, really? The place where God says all things work for good for those who love God. The place where he says that you are my child. I will be with you forever. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the place. That is negative all the time. Second Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us. Everything we need for life. Everything. But somehow. It doesn't register in the Christian mind. For all throughout the country. There are all sorts of seminars you can go to to get you closer to God. I remember when I was ministering out in Seattle, Washington, there was a priest that had come up from California. And he had booths in his his church there that would teach you how to speak in tongues. And he would, they had a, they had a little system going that they would, they had a counselor that would start and then hopefully you would jump in and you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not preaching for or against tongues. I'm just saying to you that when man initiates and we expect God to respond, we've got a problem. And we've got a real problem. We've got a problem in our belief system. Who do we think we are? God says who we are. Every promise in God's word, God initiates. We don't. We simply respond. God says, you are a child of God. Yes, Lord, if you say it, I believe it. Now, if you ask me, do you feel like your child of God? Not all the time. No. Not all the time. Are you? Yes. Do you have everything that you need or do you have to go learn how to get closer to God? No, you have everything you need. Do I want to go someplace so I feel that I can be closer to God? Yes. We do not go by feeling, we go by fact. God says who we are. You and I need to believe it. And as we believe it, there'll be a new, we'll, we'll have new energy. We'll have a different outlook on God, we'll have a different outlook on people. Philippians 2.5 Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. Your attitude should be the same. Well, what was Christ's attitude? If we're to be the same, what was his attitude? In John 5.19 Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now I've heard through the years a standard guide that Christians have in making decisions. I remember years ago when I used to travel to the academies, Christian academies, and, and have week of prayers. It seemed like these young kids, young wonderful young Christian boys and girls, whenever they had a decision to make, like what movie to go to, or what to watch on TV, they thought that if they just simply asked the question, if Jesus were here, what would he do? Well, that sounded good, but there was no TV then, there was no movies then. And so we have a tendency to say, all right, I'm faced with a decision. If Jesus were here, what would He do? Here's the answer. He did what the Father told Him to do. That's what He did. He did what the Father told Him to do. Our actions in this life will be an outflow of our attitude. And the Bible says your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. So our attitude ought to be an outflow of his attitude. If we are trusting in Christ and willing to respond to his leading, then we never have to worry about what we should do. Through the years, I have not always made good decisions. In fact, I was an apocalyptic Christian. I expected Christ. I'd never dreamed I'd ever reach the age of 30. And then never 40, never 50, never 60. And it goes on. But I never thought I would ever reach that age. And so there's a lot of things that I never prepared for. I thought that Jesus was going to be here by now. And I remember telling my father that. And my father said, well, those Christians have been saying that since I was that high. And he still hasn't gone. As we experience Christ's faithfulness to us, we will have more of a tendency to believe that we have all that it takes I remember people coming to me years ago saying to me that I don't know if I have enough faith. Well, the Bible says that we all have faith. It only takes like a grain of mustard seed is enough faith. And we've all been given a bushel basket full of mustard seeds. In other words, we all have enough faith. None of us are lacking in faith. Faith is what? It is a noun for trust and belief. We have it. We can believe God. We can trust God if we're willing to do it. Romans 8 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the good news of the gospel. The Demons can't do it. Nobody can. Nobody can separate us from God's love. This morning... I want to encourage you. If there's one message I want you to leave here with, and that is that God is the initiator. You and I are the responders. He loved us. Then we in turn can love him. He told us that we are perfect forever. He didn't say that you would feel perfect. He didn't say that you would act perfect. He says you are perfect in God's eyes through the Lord Jesus Christ who took away the sins of the world. So you're free. We can trust what God says is true. You are indeed His child. You are indeed His workmanship. All of us are still maturing in Christ. But we are His workmanship. He's maturing us. Now there's been times in my life I have said to the Lord, could you pick up the pace? Could you mature me a little bit faster than when I'm going? But I found that if I just trust, He'll do it at the pace that is right for me. And He'll do it at the pace that is right for you. We'll always be maturing. Never will we ever come to the place of perfection until Jesus Christ comes. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the promises that you have given to us. We're so thankful that we can trust you and we can believe everything you say is true even when we don't feel it. Thank you, Father choosing us for dwelling inside of us through the Holy Spirit and to given is giving to us the abundant life we praise you and we thank you and we pray that you will as we leave here that we will trust that you are the initiator and we are the responder and we respond to you this this morning, saying that we love you and we trust you with our life. Bless us to this end I pray, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.